Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter. Have you recovered from that Southampton game yet? I know I haven't. It was a hell of an end to the game for Carver City. Jack Stevens breaking hearts, grabbing that equaliser late on before Ken Zahor. He's back, getting the winner in injury time. Three points for the Bluebirds outside of the relegation zone and back in action on Friday night. Today I'm discussing that game and looking forward to the Watford game with a view from the Ninian's very own Paul Grono and getting the view from the opposition. From Watford podcast, the rookery ends, very own Mike Parkin. But first, here's Paul. Enjoy. Mr. Paul Grono, hello. Hello, Mr. Salter. How are you doing? Yes, very well, thank you. How are you? Wonderful, mate, and looking forward to this weekend. The big question, Paul, is have you got over that Southampton match? I mean, <laughs> blood pressure amongst the Cardiff fan base must, must have been through the roof in that game. Kind of gutted I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, uh, although I, I'm like one of those types that thinks if I was there, we wouldn't have won. Because <laughs> I've never seen us win away. Every time I've gone, we've either drawn or lost. Stay um, away. And I'm sorry to say I'm going to the Wolves game. So apologies in advance to everybody. <laughs> uh, for that but yeah gutted I wasn't there when my phone buzzed in my pocket I thought here we go again Dave Jones era throwing away you know a win but um, no yeah Mr Bamba popped up again didn't he bless him yeah. and then of course um, Big Ken of all people he's back is he well that's, let's hope that's so. what he says Let's hope so. <laughs> but I mean, through throughout the game, I don't know if you managed to watch the highlights. But I mean, Cardiff were were superb, and you know we deserved the win. And to go away to to Southampton, who've been on a brilliant run of form and and perform how we did, you know, without some some important players, you know, Camarasa just on the bench and brilliant. And 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 like I said, to that kick in the teeth of conceding that goal in, in injury so I mean I was I was watching online and just oh my god it was horrible it was literally <laughs> it felt like we lost the game felt like we got relegated in that in that moment and then when when Big Ken popped up with that that goal I I went crazy and my girlfriend was in the other room and I got sold off for shouting too loud and running around the house <laughs> but, um, <laughs> classic but no it, it was brilliant and and one of the the standout players I I thought um was Callum Patterson and, and, and the stat that, that I loved and I, I tweeted this was was that Patterson won 14 aerial duels against Southampton the same as the entire Southampton starting 11. And unbelievable. Unbe- it's not really unbelievable because we know what Patterson is like and yeah. he is, you know, absolutely wonderful in the air. We've only a couple of times this season have, have we had teams that have betted him and interestingly, their games that we've struggled in, last one I can think of was Huddersfield at home. Yeah. Where they had uh, I can't remember his name anymore, you know, and he was kind of six foot six. Yeah, and they he... had that Philip Billing in front of him, That's didn't they? And yeah. then the the big centre half behind him as well. Yeah, and that was a game that we struggled in creatively. Yeah. Whereas nine times out of ten, you'd expect him to challenge, if not win, that ball, and as proven last weekend, you know. Um, I know that the first cross for the winner was poor. And you can see Camarasa, if you watch it back, kind of throw his hands He's at fuming, me in frustration. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the second header back in was exactly where it should have been. And um, Patters is, you know, su- just sums up everything that we love about Cardiff, doesn't he? Yeah. You know, yeah. he doesn't have the sort of je ne sais quoi or the, 
you know, he's not, he's never going to be an Henri or, he's you know, this sort of, no, well, not in, in a way. weird sort of way. Yeah. But he's like the guy that will never give up. He, you know, he sort of embodies passion and, and fight. And that's exactly how Cardiff have kind of gained those 25 points, really. I, I can't think of many games where we've dominated from start to finish and, and, and you know, where we've all walked away saying, well, you know, that was easy. Yeah. And I think what it's been really interesting tactically what Warnock has done with, with Patterson in, in obviously came in right back, then centre mid, then then striker and and I think it was against Spurs was the first game that, that he moved him to the mm. right wing and, and Bobby Reed played up front. And in that game it didn't really work out and, and everyone kind of thought it was a it was a strange move and that Patterson needed to play centre. But in the last few games Pat where Patterson's been playing out wide and I know that having Nias through the centre as, as, a, as a proper striker has made a difference. But he's yeah. just, as that kind of winger coming in, coming in vertically and winning those balls in the air, it's really been effective. And I think in the next couple of games, it could be really effective again. You know, um, I spoke to, to Mike, who's a Watford fan, and it's coming up later in the podcast, and he was saying that Hollow Bass, their, their first choice left back, is missing for this. So I think it's Adam Messina who will come in, and I don't think he's particularly tall. And against Everton, Lucas Digna, I don't think he's particularly tall either. So we could really target them with, with Patterson. That's going to be a ding dong, Digna and Patterson. Yeah. Because he's fantastic going forward, um, but not so much at the back. Um, much like Patterson, really. So that is going to be a heck of a battle. I don't know much about this this Watford fullback, which kind of says a lot if he's coming in to cover Holabas. So um, he's not going to fancy it, is he? No, I th- I think again my my memories uh, my knowledge sorry of him is quite limited. But I think he's a young young Italian fullback who's um, not played too much because Holabas has been been very good for them this year. So yeah, you know, yes. coming up against against Patterson is is not. Not what you want when you've not played too many minutes this season. No, absolutely. And Patters is going to relish that. So I think you're right. Nias has offered something different and um, he matches his work ethic yeah. uh, in terms of you know running the channels and all the rest of it. Holding the ball up a bit better, knows the runs to make, knows where to be. Patters tries hard and, and kind of finds himself in the right position a lot of time. But Nias has obviously been a striker since day one and um, is kind of well versed in that role, and Bobby kind of floating around left, right, and centre um, has worked out absolutely wonderfully the last few games. So, um, although actually against Southampton he wasn't great, he, he kind of I think he was kind of marked up the game, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and and it was it probably didn't suit him. He, he was playing more advanced rather than dropping off a bit, wasn't it? And it was a bit of a yes. hybrid system from Warnock with a kind of three at the back at times with Patson at a win back and. Um, but you know, I think that's credit to to Warnock in that you know he's labelled as this dinosaur, but actually he's shown throughout the season how flexible he can be tactically and and changing and setting up the the team and the players to to expose either a team's weakness or to frustrate them. Um, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, you know, um, Warnock and his his um, Blackwell and Jepson. They just yeah. they're often seen as kind of let's just chuck a team out and see what happens. Where we know different, have watched them week in week out. You. You're the one that does the analysis. You're spotting the the little tweaks that he's making here, there, and and everywhere, and and sort of getting 25 points without a recognised striker on the board. Yeah, and is that you know that's miraculous. So whatever happens in the rest of the season, you know, 
he's proved a lot of people wrong. Yeah, he has. Um, Oshan Roberts um, summed it up perfectly last season, I think, when he, he wrote an article looking at Warnock's tactics for the BBC and, and he was talking about his man-marking system and you know it was the full-backs were infield, swapping all over the pitch, following everyone. And, and he basically, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said if Pep Guardiola did this, people would lose their shit. You know, it, they would go crazy. <laughs> but because it's Warnock, no one, no one cares. Um, I know. It's just an accident, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know that was just what they happened to do that day, and I think the narrative has always kind of been against him for many reasons. But I mean, I've seen that change over the—I'm sure you have over the course of the season—the way that Cardiff have been portrayed yeah. by the national media has, has slowly shifted. Salah obviously changed things quite significantly, and it'd be interesting to see what further developments are made on that on the off the pitch stuff, and whether that impacts on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that um, Neil and the staff will do their best to make sure it doesn't. Because um, you know as well as I do that it's been off the pitch where Cardiff have often sort of fallen down over the years. Yeah. And it's become a bit of a circus. You look at the last time we were in the Premier League, we had the fallout between Vincent and Malky. Yeah. And then Ollie's disastrous reign um, really set us back, you know, years and only when Slade steadied the ship and then Warnock came in and set us in the right direction that we've been able to recover and get back to where we are now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and like I said, hopefully it doesn't overshadow the end of the season. And you mentioned Scholzgar there, and, and it's oh, I'm really struggling seeing his name so positively all the time. And I was just watching the United-Chelsea uh, game on the telly just before we recorded this, and they were 2-0 yeah. up with about 10 minutes to go. And singing Solskjaer's praises and it's just oh god I just can't I do can't think get it we could have done it mate I think me and you could have gone in there and done that yeah well yeah maybe that's I what Paul, do it Paul for half the money. yeah <laughs> alright back to back to City back to back to Watford and you know last time out we lost 3-2 um, two late goals from, from Junior Hullet and, and Bobby Reid really glossed over what was a, a pretty dire performance. I think probably one of our worst performances of the season. And yeah. Watford are a good team. You know, they, they're sitting in eighth, I think it is, and, and they've kind of gone under the radar a bit in that kind of sixth to tenth bracket in the table. The focus has mm-hmm. really been on Wolves, yeah. um, rightly so, and also Bournemouth with Eddie Howe to, to an extent. And but Watford are a really good side and we've got to improve this time around against them, haven't we? Really speaking, they're the kind of side that I would normally take against because of the way that they decide to do things. They have a high turnover in management. They have this weird partnership behind the scenes with the owners and the scouting network and the other teams that they own. And normally that would kind of grate me and I would think, oh, you know what, I don't like this type of thing and I don't want to see a team like this succeeding. And thinking back they probably would have been one of my favourites to be down near the bottom of the table at the beginning of the season yeah. uh, I wasn't sure how they would respond post-Silver and I've been surprised by the way that they have sort of is it Garcia their manager the way that he's got them yeah. player and um, they've got I mean admittedly they've got some absolutely fantastic players we made them look better than they were but I mean what, at least one of their goals if not two of them were really good goals yeah yeah. Um, in the first match, so. But then on the um, other hand, Etheridge was was superb in that game. Five. Yeah, right. so yeah. yeah, you're right. He kept us in it, didn't he? Yeah, you're right. You're actually right. We've got to be on on our toes from from the first minute, haven't we? Yeah, it's going to be a, a strange game in in that when you look at it, going into the game, 
I feel, and I'm sure a lot of City fans feel that we can pick up points here, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. draw or three points. But equally, if we lose, it's not an embarrassing or disappointing result because Watford are a really good team. Is it, they're one of those strange ones in that it could really go either way. Definitely. It, it, it's, it's getting to the stage of the season where you've got to take your chances. And so part of me thinks this is probably one of the games where we've got a really good chance of getting something. Um, and I would be disappointed if we didn't pick up at least a point. Yeah. But you're right, on the face of it, we should be kind of thinking, well, really speaking, Watford should be beating us. Yeah. But it's one of those games I've met earmarked as um, a point possible and three points if we're kind of really on top of our game and, and they're struggling a little bit, especially if the crowd gets going. And, yeah, um, that's the thing. Fri- really Friday, night the at, at Friday night at the Cardiff City Stadium, you know, under the lights, it's going to be it's going to be a really good atmosphere as it has been all season. And I think, uh, spoiler alert here, but but coming up in, in the podcast when I speak to, to Mike from the Rookery uh, and, and, and he said he'd be very happy with the draw. Which I think okay. is, is a massive okay. compliment to, to Cardiff and you know how we've been playing recently and and that it's a tough place place to come. So um, yeah, sorry for that spoiler to everyone listening. But <laughs> but I mean one of the things coming into the game and and, and the last game especially, um, Warnock's got a real selection head, headache. You know, Victor Camarasa yes, he didn't, has. didn't start and and he looked really uh, not himself when he when he came on and he didn't celebrate the goal he just walked back to the halfway line and and like you said with Patterson's poor cross he threw his arms in the air and hopefully it was just you know he wanted to be out playing and I'm sure Warnock would have had you know his arm around his shoulder but it'd be interesting to see what happens there and if he comes back in and you know who drops out and that Joe Rawls has been superb the last few games you know Bobby Reed's been really good so it's, there's a real selection headache and Peltier, Peltier and Morrison, and and all that sort of side of it as well. Yeah. Pelt has been, you know, has done what he does best, which is absolutely solid at the back. Yeah, really a, a thing going forward. In. But yeah, I know. I mean, what was that about? Oh, I mean, I'm sure he was just doing it for banter, to be honest. <laughs> so we all went. Did, did you see that? But you're right. For the, I can't remember really the last time that we were even questioning whether Camarasa would be playing. Yeah. or whether Rawls he should be starting or it's a bit of you know Big Ken should he get his chance now he's got that winning goal does he deserve a shot yeah. in the starting eleven to prove his mettle I think um, that Nias will play purely because he can't play against Everton on Monday so I think it's a whole right. play on yeah. Monday yeah good point um, yeah but yeah you know they, this first half of the season Pretty much, you could you could pick one to one to eleven and, and get you know ten out of the eleven spot on. But yeah, but all of a sudden, you know, like you said, Morrison is Morrison fit again? Is he ready to come back? Or um, I'm not seeing. I don't know who's the understand. So I, I probably not. But he can't be far away. And although I'm a fan of Moza and and I have this kind of thing that he's the club captain and he's a bit of an underrated player and because he's not vocal, a lot of people don't see what he does. But I can't really argue with the fact that I do see Bamba and Manga as a good partnership and they've yeah. they've generally played pretty well the last few weeks and haven't yeah. done an awful lot wrong, so to speak. And the same with Peltier. You know, he's not exactly... If anything, he, you know, he, he blocked on the line at least twice, I think, on the last weekend. Yeah, so... Yeah. 
Uh, he deserves a shot to, at the starting eleven as well. So I, I'd be tempted to go with the team that finished. I think. We're saying that that would be Big Ken, wouldn't it? It would be Big Ken. Yeah, yeah. maybe the team that started then. Uh, although it's harsh on Camrassa, I think Camrassa's had a few things off the pitch actually to deal with reading yeah. between the lines. He's had a few personal things that have been quite tough. So I don't know how much of a part that's played on his um, demeanour. Mm-hmm. Um, he is key going forward. We all know that. We love Camras and he's been one of my players of the season. But I wouldn't moan too much if he went with the same start in 11 type thing yeah. this weekend for Friday night. It'd be, it'd be hard for him not to, in a way, considering how, how well the team did. But I, you mentioned Peltier there, and, and I think him and him and Joe Rawls in the last few weeks have been been superb in that um, Rawls, particularly at the start, being first half of the season, struggled a bit. He, he looked slightly off, off the pace and was struggling to step up to Premier League football. And, and Peltier, I think, probably himself would say he's a championship footballer. You know, it, it's a big step up. But the last yeah. few weeks, they've really... Found their feet, stepped up, and and you know battled hard, worked really really hard, and and have been really important players for the team. So I think they 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 epitomise in in many ways the Cardiff team and in, in you know playing above above your means in 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 many ways. I drop Gunner. I know that's controversial, oh. and he, there seems to be a bit bit of a love in, and I don't dislike him. I really don't. It's not like a I don't like Gunner type thing, but. I'm not as sold. I'm not as sold on him as others. And I did see the graphic that we posted from. I think it was who scored recently. Yeah. Um, you know, with him and without him. So obviously, my opinion is just purely based on some sort of emotional weirdness. The facts <laughs> speak for themselves that he should be playing. You know, he should be in the starting eleven. But um, I don't know. He, he frustrates me. I, I always feel like we should be getting more from him. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I'll disagree with you on this one. Paul. <laughs> I think I'm a massive Gunner fan, and I think that he's he's so important. That stat illustrating it in many ways, but I think he does the simple things so well. He breaks at the play, and he, that screen in front of the back four allows us to to absorb a bit more pressure. It allows Bamba, in particular, he's quite an aggressive defender and coming out, and he's so yes. good at. Um, you know, stepping across, and one of the things I think he probably doesn't get credit for, Gunnarsson, is he he did it a lot earlier on in the season, but particularly since Nias comes through, he's so good at it, it sounds like lumping the ball in behind, but recognizing when there's the space and just just whacking the ball in behind. And he set up Bobby, didn't he, for the second one? I think yeah. against um, Bournemouth. Yeah. So um, yeah. I, okay. Okay. I'm going to fight for him. <laughs> <laughs> you win. But, Paul, I mean, two questions ahead of the game. A, what's your score prediction? And B, where do you think the match will be won and lost? Uh, okay, score prediction. 2-1 Cardiff. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, I think Cardiff are going to get a couple of set pieces this time. I think they're starting to come together now. Yeah, and yeah. they're starting to find their mojo again. You look at that first goal against Southampton; that was like just sort of um, Cardiff at their very best. Um, so I think the set pieces is where, although Watford had the type of players that could score from thirty yards straight off a free kick, um, we've got a keeper that's good and solid. And so 
I think Cardiff would have learned their lessons from the first half of the season. Hopefully stop this dropping off and letting people run into the box from the halfway line, which is what they did against Newcastle and Watford for the first goal, I think. Yeah, that Delafoe, Delafoe whatever his name yeah, is, he Delafoe. just ran through and looked like Maradona when he didn't need to. <laughs> um, so set pieces wins it for me. Cardiff to take advantage of their um, superiority now that they've kind of got that back in the bag. So and, and a 2-1 win for the Bluebirds. Yeah, I t- I t- it's interesting on set pieces in that Sean Morrison's our most dangerous player in the year and I think, I'm not sure what it is now, but a couple of weeks ago he was, of all defenders in the Premier League, he had the highest expected goal ratio or expected assist ratio, I can't remember which one it was, but we weren't particularly good at set pieces in the first half of the season. Um, But now Morrison's out of the side, we've been scoring a couple of set pieces and I don't know. I don't know if that's a coincidence or perhaps we were too reliant on Sean Morrison and teams knew that that's where the ball was going. Whereas now there's a couple of different options in in Bamba and Patterson and Nias and so I don't know. It might be Manga's good in the air as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've noticed that that Warnock seems to be instructing Manga to to stay back a bit. I think against Bournemouth, Peltier went forward and Manga stayed back, which was strange because I remember Manga scoring. Um, quite a nice header last season, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, but yeah, so we, maybe so we, he's the paciest of the those yeah. three. I mean, Bennett would probably be the quickest defender, I guess. But yeah, maybe he's probably the the state the safest all round to leave back. And um, I tell you what, if Peltier scores on the weekend, you're on the pitch. I, I yeah, that's it. I'm on the pitch. Season ticket <laughs> gone. <laughs> Sorry, son. See you next year. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, I'd lose it if Peltier scored. Yeah, that would be just that would just top it off. <laughs> well, listen, there's there's twelve games remaining. We're one point outside the relegation zone, and I've got a list of our remaining fixtures here: Watford at home, Everton home, Wolves away, West Ham at home, Brighton away, Chelsea home, Man City away, Burnley away, Liverpool home, Fulham away, Palace home, Man United away. There's points to be picked up there. I mean, rule out. Chelsea, Man City, Liverpool, United. You know, we're probably not going to get anything there. The rest, you know, we could we could pick up points, and obviously we're not going to pick up anything. Wolves away if you're going. Um, yeah, sorry about that. But the rest, you know, pick up points. How do you see the rest of the season panning out? Anyone outside the top six, Warnock always says, didn't he, that he thinks we got a chance, and I agree. Especially now we found our feet. Um, people are giving us a bit more credit, um, and we found our way of something that works for us. Uh, I think another 12 points would be enough to see us up. Whether we can get four wins, I don't know. But then I've been surprised in the last few weeks at the way we've bounced back. Um, this January was awful. Yeah. Um, so, really, since Salah, etc., and that Arsenal away game, the whole demeanour of the team has changed. And they seem to be more determined than ever to prove everybody wrong and maybe do it for Emiliano. So four wins or maybe three wins and three draws. Any of the teams around us in the bottom seven or eight, I think we've got more than enough chance of of getting three points. And this Friday night is probably the best chance of getting one from the top ten. Wolves away. I know... We do give Wolves a good game, traditionally. It's a a, a cracking game. We're a bit of a bogey team for them, aren't we? They're not going to fancy it at all. Although they're safe and they're probably not going to get European football unless they win the FA Cup. Um, that's another thing. Brighton are still in the FA Cup, aren't they? So yes. that could really help us as well. That could be a lovely distraction. 
it could be yeah and, and looking at looking at the table I mean I may this may come back to to bite me in the ass I think Huddersfield and Fulham are, are probably down and a loss this weekend I think would would almost you know although not mathemat- mathematically confirm that and they're 11 points and 17 points but then there's only three points separating Southampton and 18th with Crystal Palace in 13th so yeah, any of those teams could could really get dragged into it. Brighton, I think, are, are perhaps in in trouble in, in that they've not been on a good run of form. So oh, it's going to be a, a stressful end to the season. But you know, I think as a fan base, we've we've remained united behind Warnock and and, and the team and the club throughout the season, and that's not going to change. And I think they've proved, you know, sitting outside the relegation zone after twenty six games, just you know how we can compete at this level. How nice is it to be involved? You know. People thought we would be where Huddersfield are, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. You know that was the prediction: single figures, etc. Gone by Christmas. So to even be heading towards the end of February, still in with a shout, not even in the relegation zone. People kind of saying, actually, Cardiff aren't that bad, and now we've actually watched them. Um, they're not the hoofball, long ball thugs that we've been told they are. So just to even be in that mix is just so wonderful. Um, and yeah. whatever happens, you know. It's been an amazing season. It has, yeah. Paul, thank you very much. And uh, here's hoping your 2-1 prediction comes out correctly on Friday night. Amen to that. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Catch you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, every week at View from the Ninian, we get the view from the opposition. And this week, joining us is Mike from the Rookery End. Hi, Mike. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks, mate. How about you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Sort of uh, basking in the glory of uh, getting into the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, which is always good fun. Yes, of course. I mean, for us, it, f- it feels like forever ago since, since our last game because we've had a week off with uh, after we got knocked out in the FA Cup earlier on in the season. But as you mentioned, Watford through to the quarterfinals, a 1-0 win against QPR. Your fans must be pleased. They must be hoping that you know the FA Cup is a real chance of silverware this year. I think it's you still you look at the draw draw on on Monday evening and there's still plenty of very very difficult sides in it. But yeah, once you get to the to the last date, you're always you always start dreaming. And and of course, Watford have had a reasonably good season. They're sitting eighth in the eighth in the Premier League. So it's been a while since we've been in with a with a a, a real sniff of anything like this. So uh, hopefully, we'll get a decent draw in the in the quarterfinals. And who knows, dreams perhaps can come true. I'm not getting carried away uh, just yet, though. <laughs> You mentioned there the Watford are currently eighth in the Premier League. Um, it's been a, a really great season, almost under the radar, I think, in that that kind of outside of that sort of top six or so, the, the focus has kind of been on on Wolves and and their um, you know great season to date, and almost to an extent Bournemouth with, with Eddie Howe, kind of the, the golden boy of of English management, and Javi Gracia is kind of a a more subdued and under-the-radar character, isn't he? But for Watford fans, you must be delighted. And how would you rate the season to date? Oh, well, yes, yeah. I mean, to answer that, that question first, we are absolutely delighted. I think Watford have shown signs ever since they got promoted of being a decent Premier League side. But we've been a, we've been a bit of a half-season wonder for the, for the previous three seasons. We haven't, well, we've always started pretty well and haven't managed to, to see it through to the second half of the season. And while results haven't been great 
um, post Christmas. We've had a lot of lot of draws, not many not many goals for. We're, we're hard to beat, so um, we're we're pretty pleased about that. And as for as for going under the radar, I think that kind of. I have this conversation with fellow Watford supporters quite a bit. A lot of people are a bit peeved that certainly that Eddie Howe, Bournemouth below Watford in the league at the moment, Eddie, Eddie Howe still and Bournemouth still get all the plaudits. But for me, I think that the fact that, that Watford are under the radar and don't get that much of a mention is almost a, a backhanded compliment because it it strikes me that um, that the media or the, the wider footballing world sort of just accept Watford as being a Premier League club and therefore don't need to comment on them much, which I think is really what we were hoping to be, to become a, a, an established Premier League club. And I know you can't really be that after after three and a half seasons. But I think the fact that people aren't really noticing Watford, um, the amazing start to the season when we won four out of four uh, aside, is is a really good thing. Um, and and the, the longer it goes on, the, the better. I think if we can go into the last sort of clutch of games, perhaps still fighting on the FA Cup and perhaps still looking at, at Europa League qualification, then it will be an absolutely terrific season for us. And and as supporters, I think it's it's felt more settled this year, Scott. It feels like we've had um, the team ethics back um, that we that we lost a little bit under under Marco Silva. The players feel like they're playing for each other. They feel like they're playing for the badge. It feels like they're playing for the boss. There's more fun um, in and around Vicarage Road these days, so that helps enjoy your football, as you know. When when the atmosphere is good, you yeah. don't necessarily have to be getting the results to to enjoy it. So I think as a supporter, you want to be enjoying your football, and and we are at the moment. It's it's a real good it's a real good season for us. We're enjoying it. Um, and I, I know I keep saying that, but I think as a football <laughs> supporter, that that's kind of what you need. And I think there's a lot of concern, isn't there, when you come up from the championship. People say, oh, perhaps, you know, it'd be more fun in the championship. We win more games. The games are more frequent. But I wouldn't have it any other way. De- decent football um, in the Premier League, p- pitting your wicks against the against the best week in, week out is is brilliant. So no complaints at this end. As you can probably tell, I'm a bit excited. <laughs> I keep running my mouth off here. Sorry. No, no, no. Please, please go ahead. And I think what you said about enjoying the football is absolutely spot on. And, and I think a lot of football fans probably take that for granted. But once you go through a, a spell of either, you know, not particularly playing well or, or losing lots of games or even just a real almost negative manager and, um, you know, Cardiff fans who went that with um, with Russell Slade and, and it was just brought such a dire atmosphere around the club and, and to suddenly have that that back and, and the Warnock and, and like you said, you know, grabbing Watford fans, enjoying football again. And, it, and it's really so important. Um, you mentioned that the Watford's uh, almost feel like an established Premier League club, which, which like I said, feels crazy to say that after three and a half years. But for a side like Cardiff coming up and you really are the, the sort of the blueprint to look to and in um, some similar size clubs, histories and um, probably transfer budgets initially. And, but, Talk us through that this journey as a Premier League club, and, and what do you think Watford have done particularly well in the last three and a half years? And what can clubs like Cardiff learn from a club like Watford? I think Watford have been very, very pragmatic. I think when when we got promoted, it, it feels like an age now, but you you may well remember Slavisa Jukanovic was the was the head coach that actually got Watford promoted out yeah. out of the Championship, and there were a lot of raised eyebrows when his contract wasn't renewed for for a host of reasons. But it, it, it became apparent as that first season in the Premier League panned out that the, the Pozzos knew exactly what they were doing. They got in Kike Sanchez-Flores, who was an incredibly organised manager, um, focused on defence. He shored us up, made us very, very difficult to score against, very, very difficult to beat. 
which meant that in those early games, that first sort of couple of months in the Premier League, when we'd just come up, we were able to not establish ourselves, but just chip away and get a foothold quite early in the season. We were never cut adrift because we were so difficult to beat. And I think that set the tone really for, for, the, for the following sort of two, three years. And we've tried to incrementally get better from, from that year. You know, it was, a, it was a great year. We stayed up comfortably. We got to an FA Cup semi-final. Um, and ended up being quite disappointed with the way the season panned out. But I think it all stemmed from that sensible early approach. Don't try to run before you can walk. Um, and and just we mentioned Slav Jukanovic there. There was a lot of raised eyebrows outside Vicarage Road, and there were a lot of fellow Watford supporters who were who were disappointed to see him go. But then you look at what happened at Fulham. Couldn't defend, can't defend for their lives, yeah. um, and and look like they're going to disappear without trace. And and that was perhaps largely down to Jukanovic. So. The, the, the Gino Pozzo and Scott Duxbury get a bit of a bit of a, a tough time of it from from some onlookers because they look so brutal with the with the changing of the head coach and so on and so forth. But I think there's a very very clear plan and always has been. They're looking to firstly establish Watford and then take it forward, baby steps, you know, season by season, gradually getting better. Because I think what that does, if you can stay in the Premier League, you can attract a, a, the next level of player up. And if you can stay in the Premier League the next season a little bit, a little bit more to spare, you can attract the next player up, and so on and so on. And Watford, Watford's model will always be that we sell our best players. I, I, I bet my mortgage on the fact that Decore will leave us this summer, for example. Yes. But but that's the way it works. We can attract, hopefully, attract someone, either a, a decent um, prospect or a, a decent proposition, a different decent replacement, because we've had or looks like we're going to have a, a, a decent season. And that all stems from just taking it steady, having a clear plan um, and cutting your cloth accordingly. Don't go too gung-ho, Don't because you've got the TV money, spend a load of money and try and crack the top half in your first season. Have a plan, stick to it uh, and look for that incremental improvement, which I think is is what we've done. It doesn't sound particularly sexy um, and there have been pretty some pretty grim moments. I mentioned, you know, the, the second half of the, of the past three seasons is, has been pretty bad for a lot of the time, but... We haven't been in the bottom three. If they haven't been in the relegation zone since we got promoted, and I think that um, that says it all for the approach, really. Yeah, and as a Cardiff fan, that's kind of music to our ears. <laughs> where you said that um, to walk before you can run, and you know, in pre-season, a lot of attention was on on, on walls, right? So, but but Fulham, mainly, you know, all that money they, they spent, and Cardiff were very conservative, and and like I said, they they look like they're falling adrift a bit, whereas you know, Cardiff are fighting on on a really small budget and. No, it's, it's been really pleasing. So looking at this season, um, obviously we've talked about how well you're doing so far. And in the last Premier League game, it was a 1-0 win against Everton and your old boss, Marcus Silva. Ooh. That must have been pleasing. Yeah, very, very pleasing indeed. I mean, obviously, I mean, what fun is football if you can't have a little bit of needle every now and again? And that was <laughs> certainly, uh, there was certainly some needle in that one. We as supporters wanted to to do one over uh, on Marco Silva. I haven't necessarily got anything against against Everton, really. I think the way Marco Silva handled himself was was pretty dismal last year, and um, it was it was really pleasing to to get one over and hit on him and send him uh, send him back up the M1 with his tail firmly between his legs. <laughs> so we enjoyed that. But looking at the looking at the game, game as a as a whole it wasn't a it was by far from a, a masterpiece I think it was probably last on match of the day if not last but one which which again tells you all you all you need to know but I think a year ago two years ago we would have found a way to to lose that game or or draw it the, we're coming out on top or getting draws in games where it's on a knife edge uh, and I think we've struggled to do that previously and that's I think what I'm talking about when you talk about incremental steps 
gradually getting better gradually i think being a premier league team is is getting results when you don't necessarily play as well um as as you know you can or when you're when you come against a team up against a team with a, a solid or rigid game plan we played against newcastle recently we played against burnley who were very um very defense minded made it very difficult to play but we came away with creditable draws uh, and i think in like in in previous games of seasons we'd we'd have lost that so i think we're showing a bit more a few more street smarts we're tougher we're more resilient and that was borne out quite nicely in that Everton game not pretty to watch but we got the job done and another three points in the bank uh, and I think with that win uh, not that it was really in doubt not not wanting to sound too too smug or, or big-headed but we're safe now um, and and just getting those points and getting to that mark is is a decent effort the the, the big job now is to is to push on and, and see how far up the table we can get and how many points we can end up with and in in the game between between the last between the two sides, uh, Mike earlier on in the season, Watford obviously won one three two, and Cardiff were were abysmal, really bad, probably our, our worst performance of the season. And and you guys looked pretty comfortable at three 0 and then a late fight back, you know, almost saw us pick up a point, and that must have been uh, been nervous for, for as a Watford fan. But but what was your view on that game? Exactly the same as yours. I thought I thought Watford played incredibly well. I thought they they went three 0 up. It looked very very comfortable. Cardiff looked you know short on confidence. There, I thought defensively you looked you looked worried and nervous. And I think um, Pereira uh, it was either Pereira or Delafay who scored. And uh, uh, you know Cardiff defender didn't lay a glove on yeah, on him as he ran through, through everyone. Exactly, yeah. which well, you know credit to them. They can that's the sort of players they are. They they they're great. Um, but I thought it, it did speak volumes for the the confidence or lack of it that was uh, that Cardiff had at that stage. But you know the the, the late the, the late rally. What the, the, the was it the first goal or the second? Um, was it Bobby um, Bobby Reed who Bobby stuck, Reed got he, the second? Yeah, which was an absolute absolute perler, wasn't it? And there's not a lot any goalkeeper or any defence can do about those apart from perhaps not not letting the run carry on that long. So you know, in as, from a neutral's point of view, it was. Um, it was a grandstand finish that I don't think anyone expected. Cardiff fans or Watford fans didn't didn't see it coming. No. Um, I think Watford disappointed with the way that f- the first goal went in, which was a bit of a bit of a scramble, wasn't it? And I don't think we defended. We didn't cover ourselves in glory there. But it goes to show, um, you know, I, we've talked about Watford being an, an established Premier League side. They're, they're still a long way to go. There's still a long, long way to go before Watford can relax, and and that game showed it. Um, I thought it was an entertaining game. Watford should have been home and hosed long before the. Um, there's no way it should have ended that way, <laughs> um, but I think you know it, it gave you a little hint as to what we're seeing more from Cardiff now, which is that resilience, that fight, um, yeah. and a bit of determination. Because you know at three 0 down, they really did look out of out of it. Um, it it the, the did look a class apart, but stuck at it and, and almost nicked the equaliser. And I think you know in the past couple of weeks, m- month or so, perhaps you're seeing more of what you from me and as an outsider would expect from Cardiff, which is yeah. just that never say die attitude, make it very, very difficult to play against um, just going for it. And um, I think it's, we're seeing more of that spirit now, which is good news for you guys, but not necessarily for us on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously the game uh, on Friday night, Watford travel to the Cardiff city stadium, a pain of a, a, a journey on a Friday night. Um, Obviously, the game moved moved because of the rugby on on the Saturday. But for Cardiff fans who maybe haven't seen much or, or any of Watford this year, what should we expect from them? How how does Javi Garcia like to set up the sides, and, and who's the man to watch? 
Um, he's been setting it kind of loosely. You could describe it as a four-four-two with with Troy Deeney up front and Delafeu playing sort of normally as a as a second striker up behind him. Um, Delafeu, if we start from the front, I think Delafeu is can be an absolute wizard. I think he's 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 an incredibly talented footballer, but I think he's he's wasted personally up, up front. I think they should put him wide and just let him get on with it. Um, let him dance down the wing and, and, and get the ball in for the strikers. So I wonder whether you might see the a return to the um return to the formation that Gracia fancied at the start of the season, which was Troy Deeney and Andre Gray up front. Um I think they both they play well together. They're slightly different. Andre Gray likes to drag the drag the defenders around and make space. Troy Deeney can hold the ball up and, and both of them can finish. Um, I don't think either of them get, get the credit they deserve for the for the quality of the footballers they are. I think Troy Deeney in particular is a lot cuter and, and a lot defter as a footballer than, than many might many might think. Um, so I think we may well see, I'd like to see personally anyway, um, Deeney and, and, and Gray up front. Um, It'd be a hell of a it, battle, uh, Deeney against Sol Bamba. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, one worth watching out. One that both chaps will relish, though. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, everyone knows what they're going to get with with Troy. Home fans and away fans, you guys will be booing him from from start to finish, and 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 he'll love that. But um, yeah, and he'll relish the battle with um, with with Bamba. Uh, I think in midfield, Decore is the one that everyone's everyone's heard of, and and rightly so. We had a had a little period of three or four games when he was out injured, and we did look a different side. We looked. Um, um, a lot poorer without him. He he breaks up the play defensively and then looks to to transition very quickly to get the ball from back to front very quickly. And he's the he's the cog in that particular wheel. He gets us moving, uh, breaks up play, tackles the opposition, and then is looking for a pass forward. So he's he's important. Um, I'm not sure if Pereira is going to be fit. He's the other, the other supremely talented player in that midfield. Ex Juventus played played Champions League football. On his day, he can be an absolute wizard as well. But He's had a poor run of form has been, and been out injured, so uh, we'll wait and see there. Um, and then I think the other one worth worth mentioning, Jose Holobas is suspended. Um, he's at left back. He's been he's been great for us. He's he's had a hand in a lot of our goals, and so good news for Cardiff fans that Holobas is is suspended. But between the sticks, Ben Foster has been absolutely spectacular this year. Yeah. Um, I think people were happy to see him signed. He's got history with Watford. He he played for us. What is it? Ten years ago now, I guess. So it was it felt like a natural fit for him to come home. Um, but I don't think anyone expected the level levels of performance we've had from him this year. I think he's almost nailed on to be player of the season. So worth keeping an eye on him. He'll obviously go and chuck a couple into his net now that I've uh, <laughs> now that I've said that. Well, fingers crossed. Mike, <laughs> it, it's been it's been brilliant talking to you and, and really good getting an insight into into Watford of the season and ahead of the game. Before I let you go, what's your score prediction? I tell you what, Friday night, Cardiff, night before the rugby, it's going to be absolute carnage, noisy crowd. I dare say there might have been a few pints sunk before. So <laughs> I think there's going to be an incredibly intimidating atmosphere. Cardiff usually is, but I think even more so on a Friday night. So I will snap your hand off for, for a draw. Um, let's hope it's an entertaining one. So can we shake on 2-2? Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Cheers, Mike, and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. And you, mate. Cheers. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to View from the Ninian. We're for fans, by fans. You can catch more like this at viewfromtheninian.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure you check us out. Come on, city.